Hello, welcome to PRBC Worcester podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that in your time spent with us, you will be blessed and edified even as we grow in faith. Please enjoy and may the Spirit of God illuminate your hearts. Give a mighty hand to Jesus. Give a mighty hand to Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Are you ready to listen to the word of the Lord? That is what we are here for. The word of God that sustains us. The one that carries us from one level of dimension to the other. Please help me welcome the freshest apostle of this church. He is the pastor of Rehoboth PWC in New Jersey. Also the director of the Youth and Pensa Ministry, COPUSA. Help me welcome my friend, my brother, Apostle Dr. Mike Potiphy. Give a mighty hand to the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for Jesus as we give him glory. Hallelujah. That song was very befitting for this season. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the honor. Hallelujah. Can we have somebody just lift up his voice or her voice and say, God, you deserve all the glory. He does. Hallelujah. He does. He does. Praise God. I'm exceptionally humbled by the opportunity to uh, be able to fellowship with us this very moment. Um, I'm thankful to the living God who continues to guide and help and provide for his servants to keep serving. I want to express appreciation to the father of the house, our dear apostle and daddy, Apostle Peter Amponsa. Uh, we have all served under his uh, mentorship. Hallelujah. Uh, a man with a very good heart, a great father. Let's, let's bless the man of God. Thank you, and Mama. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, and my own friend and, and brother in the kingdom of God, we've, we've been working on different fronts besides uh, uh, church, uh, I mean in terms of uh, local district to district church. Youth and Pensa Ministry has been an area we started collaborating on even before our dear uh, pastor came into the ministry. And I'm very, very grateful that we continue to labor together in this endeavor. Praise the Lord. Uh, and Mama Gifty, your food is one of the best. <laughs> God bless you. Praise the living God. Thank you for uh, the warm reception to your home. Shall we say a big amen? amen. To all the fathers and mothers of PIWC Worcester, um, who are fathers to us, praise the Lord. We say God bless every one of you. Um, all the presiding elders who have uh, served in many ways. I might mention uh, our, our first presiding elder and father, Elder Samuel Jima, just because the message also borders on where you started from. Praise the living God. And uh, God always has a plan and a way and how he goes about things. And he always will want us to begin from a place called Bethlehem. Somebody say Bethlehem. There's always a beginning. Praise the Lord. So the entire presbytery and executive of PRWC, may God bless you for your continued labor, your endurance, and your fortitude in keeping the work of God going on and on and on. Mama Rose, we congratulate you. We stand with you and your entire family. Why don't we give it up to our dear mother one more time? Within the next few minutes, I just want to share something from my heart. Just, just talk a little bit on the subject, hope in suffering. Can I hear you say hope in suffering? So we are not going to jump all around the place. We're just going to reflect on some very important highlights in the journey of life. Hallelujah. The journey of life. Our God is the God who owns the times and the seasons. He owns the times and the seasons. He is the maker of men. Can I hear you say, my God is the maker of men? He has an office that positions him to take men and women and take them through different seasons of life. You know, God is the God who owns 
time and also owns eternity. He stepped down from eternity on, into time and decided to make men and fashion them and take them through the different seasons of life in order to fulfill his ultimate agenda on the earth. Hallelujah. And one such man I want to focus on is the man David. But ladies and gentlemen, let's read from the pages of scripture in the book of Samuel chapter 7. Second Samuel chapter 7. We want to read verse 8 to verse 9 and then we'll proceed to read verse 18 to 23. I'm reading from the ESV version of scripture. It says, Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you everywhere and wherever you went, and I've cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones on the earth. He says, and I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. Now, Second Samuel 7, we are taking on from verse 17 to verse 23. It says, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house, that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your eyes. O Lord God, you have spoken also of your servant's house for a great while to come. And this is the instruction for mankind, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you? For you know your servant, O Lord God, because of your promise and according to your own heart, you have brought about all his greatness to make your servant know it. Verse 22. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making himself a name and doing for them great and awesome things by driving out before your people whom you have redeemed for yourself from Egypt, a nation and its gods. Beloved, if you read Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. Can I hear amen? Life is a forward-looking journey, and we have limited number of breaths to take. But God gave this breath and this life to you and me as a gift. But it's a gift that will eventually expire. It's a gift with a termination date on it. But with the breath and time that he has given to us, there is an assignment that he expects us to fulfill. And God positions you and I to go through different seasons of life in order to prepare us for the assignments that he has laid out for us. But one of the greatest hopes we have in the midst of all of the twists and turns of life is that the faithful God remains with you along the way. The faithful God sustains you and upholds you if you will stay and align with him. Can I hear amen? So life is a journey that takes us through various seasons of life. In fact, you will go through different storms. You go through different winds blowing all around the place. But I believe that at this point, the reason I'm sharing this message on hope in suffering is because I've been a little bit familiar with our dear mother and, his fa and her family. Just like many of us have had tough times and seasons in our lives, our dear mother has had and the family have had their own fair share of the tough times of life. And still, the Lord has been with them. If we see them today, I believe that this song resonates very much with her, that God is faithful. Can I hear you say, God is faithful? Praise the living God. You see, the seasons that God takes us through end up revealing to us different facets of his nature. God opens our eyes to know him more and more as we transition through the seasons that he has aligned for us. Can I hear amen? Staying on with God and learning to trust 
and pursue him through the changing seasons of life is the most important decision you can ever make in this life. Learning to, learning to stay on with God. To stay put with him even when you don't understand what is happening along the way. But holding on to your faith and be resolute that this is the decision I have made. To pursue God with the rest of my life. You will see God uphold you through all the storms. And you will see yourself continue to sail above it. Praise the living God. By his very nature, he proves to us that he is faithful. This is why the patriarchs of old would always refer to the faithfulness of God. In fact, Moses wrote in Deuteronomy 7 verse 9, he says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is faithful. Praise the Lord. He is a faithful God keeping his covenant to and love to a thousand generations of those who love him and who keep his commandments. It was Paul the Apostle who wrote that, but the Lord is faithful. In the book of 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. May I assure somebody that your God is faithful. He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. He is not only a faithful God, he is a faithful maker. He makes our life. Praise the living God. You see, and most of the seasons that he uses to make us are seasons of sufferings. They are seasons that are made in the dark. In fact, Bible says that when he began creation, the earth was without form and void. And as it was without form and void, it also said that darkness was upon the face of the earth. But the darkness did not stop the move of the Spirit of God. He was moving on the face of the darkness. And in the midst of the darkness, creation began. Can I hear amen? So God will allow you to get into seasons of darkness. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell him, get ready for your season of darkness. Seasons of darkness are seasons of sufferings. They are seasons of obscurity, of rejection, of being ignored. They are not easy seasons to be in. But the Spirit of God cannot be stopped in the midst of darkness. He began speaking in that atmosphere where there was void and there was darkness all over. And he said, let there be light. Hallelujah. Let there be light and the creative power of God began to move. Beloved, God will usher us into certain seasons of our life. But when you get into those seasons, you've got to know that he is in his office as the maker. For a seed to be able to become a harvest, that seed must be buried in the darkness of the soil. If it remains there and gets wrecked apart and dies, you should get ready for a harvest. Can I hear a big amen? And so dark seasons are not always evil seasons. When you go through the furnace of fire, you've got to realize that there is gold coming out at the end of that burning. Can I hear amen? I don't know what season you are in today. Praise the living God. But I want to look at the life of David. David's life actually gives us a prophetic picture of how God brings us into the fullness of our calling by establishing our identity in him after taking us through all the twists and things of life. The dark seasons and the crisis of life is meant to bring out the best inside of you. Quickly, let me look at the five prophetic seasons of the life of King David. The life of King David. In fact, the life of David, like I said, sums up the entire journey of life and how we walk with God, how God took him through these seasons. And as for God, in his dealings with David, he did not just take him through seasons in abstract. He took him through definite geographic locations in, on the earth, on this planet earth. And every location that God took David to, had a meaning and a purpose. Praise the living God. Yes, it is a very fast-paced world with little room for patience. Millions around our world continue to crave for quick success. Human beings want to rise to the top and want to be successful, and by the time they are retirement, they are like, oh, I have millions, millions of dollars. People want quick, quick, quick successes, but people don't want to wait on God. They want to go through the success, I mean through the pain and the process. 
But if you go through the pain and the process, you can be confident that when you arrive at your destination, there is a God whose hand is holding you in that place. And you will have no room for fear or anxiety because you are sustained by the almighty hand of God. Can I hear amen? God carved out a prophetic destiny for David, but he placed him in the raw material in him, the raw materials of greatness were there, but he had to go through the season of suffering, the season of pain, the season of sacrifices. And that is what we want to consider very, very quickly. The first season that God took David to, uh, began David from, was the place of Bethlehem, the geographic place of Bethlehem. In fact, when you look at the life of David, David began from Bethlehem. And then David progressed from Bethlehem to Gibeah. Can I hear you say Bethlehem? And then somebody say Gibeah. And then somebody say Adullam. And then somebody say Hebron. And then somebody say Jerusalem or Zion. Praise God. Those were physical geographic places where David found himself in. And each of them had a significance as David's steps were being ordered by the Lord. Now in 1 Samuel 16 verse 11... Samuel said to Jesse, all, uh, uh, all your sons here, and he said, the, there remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for he will not sit down, we will not sit down until he comes. The place where he had to cater for a small flock, he says he was very much alone. David was very much alone in that desert environment and that harsh terrain. At the time, he was still with his mom and his, his, his mother and his father, Jesse. And David was designated among his brothers to take care of the sheep. Bethlehem is always the place of small beginnings. Praise the living God. Now, in those days, it was the servant or the slave that is usually designated to take care of the sheep. So when you look at what David was doing, among all of his brothers, his status had been reduced into a slave or a servant, left alone to take care of the sheep. And the sheep was not a heavy gathering or a heavy parade of sheep. It was a few sheep. So David was in the harsh terrains of that forest area on that field, alone by himself, taking care of these few sheep. But many people do not realize that in those years of taking care of that sheep, when he was alone, taking care of the sheep and fighting the lions and fighting the bears, and learning to play his instruments and worshiping God and learning to develop intimacy with God when no human being was around him. Those were the years that the, the, the man was being cooked and being baked for what he was to do in the future. Hallelujah. He had been forgotten. And Samuel had come to the house looking for somebody to ordain. But when men had forgotten about him, God knew that that was my choice. Even though he had been reduced into not being even capable of standing among their brothers, they had forgotten about the guy. He was taking the role of a slave, taking the role of a servant. A very small beginning out there. But God knew what he has destined for David. He says, I have a plan for your life. I have a thought and an outline for your life to give you good and to give you an expected end. Can I hear amen? Now, when no one was looking, he was faithful in small things. Let me emphasize the lesson here, church. Let's be faithful in small things. Zechariah 4 verse 10, do not despise small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Somebody say begin. Mama Rose is one of the beginners, as our dear pastor actually uh, emphasized. Hallelujah. Don't despise a small assignment given to you. In fact, he, to, to me and to my wife, uh, PRWC Worcester is also our Bethlehem. Praise the living God. The place of beginnings. Hallelujah. Where you don't despise what God is assigning to you. When you develop the kind of heart that wants to worship God just because you love God, God cherishes that type of heart. When you are not craving for anything that he hasn't designated for you, but all of your heart is, I want to serve you and that's it. I derive my joy and my success from loving you and knowing that you love me. What God was taking David through was to let, bring David to the point where his success is not dependent on whether he's applauded by men or not. He was not in a rush to become king. David was walking in sync with God. And you will see that very shortly. Can I hear amen? 
Don't despise your Bethlehem. Young men and women playing instruments, working at the back, you know, cleaning up the place. Don't despise the days of small beginnings. Be faithful in the house of God. A lot of our young people are always in a hurry. I want to do something big. Our society has set a stage where people want to be seen. They, I want to be on the platform. I want all eyes to see me. Let me wear this dress and show it up on social media so I can get 150,000 likes. Let me get the attention. I recently pumped into uh, a lady dressed up on Facebook, one of these stars, you know, modeling, showing up. There, and they say, let all eyes fix on you. All eyes. So the goal is that all eyes, you see, self, human beings crave to have self projected among men. But God is looking for those people who want him to be projected. Those people whose ultimate quest is to see the glory of God in the land. Can I hear amen? Now from that place of Bethlehem, God took David to a place called Gibeah. Gibeah was the house and the seat of government. That was where Saul was reigning. When the evil spirit came upon Saul, they said there was a young man who knows how to play skillfully. And they went and fetched David from that house or from that uh, field onto the palace. So can you imagine he was 17 years old at the time. A young man is just like in our time. Maybe we find one of our teenagers and we say, now President Biden is asking you to come and be an intern in the White House. Woo! Isn't that awesome? Praise God! So now David was in the house of Saul being an intern, playing and serving and behaving himself wisely and going in between his father's house and Gibeah, between uh, Bethlehem and Gibeah. Now, what does Gibeah signify for us in our walk with God? After you go through Bethlehem and you are getting to your Gibeah, what does that signify in the lives of God's people? In fact, Gibeah actually signifies the place of early praise, the test of early promotion. When you get an early uplifting, maybe at some time you were a back singer. Now all of a sudden they say, you are the lead singer of the choir. Oh, in the house of God, you were one of the ushers. Now all of a sudden we've made, you've become an elder, you've become a deacon, a deaconess. And now you are standing here to share the word of God. When early promotion comes, it can also be even in your area of work or your career. When early promotion comes, how does that affect your self-image? How do you carry yourself around? When men are praising you, that praise itself can become a test of who you truly are. Whether you are indeed craving for the praise of men, and that is what you are looking for as your destination, or you are just trying to build your identity in God. Can I get a big shout of praise in the house? Amen. In the book of Proverbs 27 verse 21, it says the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold. So a person is tested by being praised. That is Gibeah. Hallelujah. A person is tested by being praised. So when God was testing David in this early success, the character of his love and servanthood was all being tested. Will he continue to draw his spiritual identity in God? Or will he begin to find value, fame, and importance in his new position of honor? Will he now say that I'm in the house of Saul and I'm a champion now? Or will he continue to draw value from his passion to worship God? Praise the living God. The changing seasons of life Help to make us so that we will learn to love God, know God, follow God, and establish our identity in him more so than any other agenda. Now in the house of David, as he was being promoted and people were praising him, I mean in the house of Saul, and he was being praised and he was being hallowed. In fact, that was the same period in 1 Samuel 17 when David went ahead and brought down Goliath. So when David brought down Goliath, their praise actually doubled and quadrupled. Oh, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. And what happened? The Bible said that God ended up moving David quickly from there and David was thrown out of the house after Saul began pursuing David. And he was thrown in into a place called Adulam. Somebody say Adulam. Adulam is the place or the cave of difficulties. That is the place of suffering. 
when you begin to enjoy the praise of men and you think you have arrived, God sometimes will just throw you into another situation altogether and that will be your wilderness experience. And you'll be looking at yourself and you'll be wondering, why am I here? I am supposed to be at the top. Like Joseph in the house of Potiphar. When Joseph was reigning and was the champion of a Potiphar's house, he thought he was on his way to the kingship. All of a sudden he found himself you may find yourself in the prison after some early successes. And according to historians, we are told that when David killed Goliath, was very close to that Adullam cave where he was. He was in Adullam in the wilderness, a cave where there was nothing. As a matter of fact, he could not run to his palace, could not run to Jonathan, his friend. He could not go to his family, he could not go to anywhere, but he had to run and go to a cave where he was all by himself. Adulam itself means refuge. Somebody say refuge. But that physical cave could not provide for David all that he would need in terms of it being a refuge. So God was using Adulam to teach David a lesson that I am your refuge. I'm taking you out of the midst of all of your family people. And I want you to know that you must focus your attention only on me. So between David and God, in that little cave and in that dark cave, David was saying that it's between you and me, oh God. I'm learning to build and find my identity in you. It was a very discouraging time. But something complicated David's situation. Bible says that now his family people came and all the deserted, all the depressed and all the people of the land who had problem with Saul, those who were frustrated, those who were criminals, those who owed, they all gathered themselves, about 400 of them, and they all came. So David had a church now to pastor, but it was a church of the depressed, the frustrated, the downtrodden. Oh, somebody put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. Pastor David now, uh, besides his own challenges, now Pastor David had to take care of a church where the people don't have any relation, much relationship with God. They have not learned to trust God and they have come to David to help them. David was in a mess. David was in a very difficult situation. Human beings were not present to encourage him. They were there to take from him. How many times have you been in that place where you keep giving to people and now when you are in the privacy of your room, you are crying on your knees and you are saying, God help me. And by the time you are coming out, people are still waiting for you. Clean your face very well and you come and smile and you say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when they see you, they say, pastor, you are next to God. All is well with you. That's why we have come. Hallelujah. How many times as a deaconess, as a leader of the church, you have your own troubles, but you, you are struggling with the same issues that you are praying for people to be delivered from. And sometimes God will answer your prayer for them and leave yours over there. Walking with God is not an easy road. Hallelujah. He was in Adulam, the place of difficulty, the place of suffering. Somebody made a song and he said, I'll put you in front. In front of my melody, you are all the maddest. You are all the maddest. Hallelujah. Praise God. So in, in, in Adulam, now look at what the God did. God, my time is going. God was able to train uh, this man through David. This worthless man now became the people that David trained into an army of 400 strong people. Those were the men who end up the deserted, the neglected, the, 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 the obscure men. They became David's strong men. By being with David, as David was with God, they got transformed by following David into becoming a strong army of God. Can I hear amen? amen. I pray that for all of us in our journey through life, let people who come in contact with you be transformed and learn to begin walking in their purpose and in their destiny. May God make us into people who will be a blessing to other people. Hallelujah. So David went through a very difficult time in Adullam. And in Adullam, in fact, he wrote Psalm 142 in Adullam. And in Psalm 142, David said and prayed a prayer. He said, you are all that I need in this world. 
He got to a point where he was not craving for king's sake. He was craving to have more of God. Hallelujah. He was not craving to rise to the top. He was craving that God, all I want is you. If I become king, fine. If I don't become king, fine. And by then, the guy had been anointed many years earlier that you were going to become king. But he was not at the point where he said, God, that is not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you. May God bring us to that place where we are looking for him. We are desiring for him. We are hungry for him. Our heart is still broken before him. When you get to the point where your heart is always broken before him, he makes you a master to be able to mend other broken hearts. Are you being blessed? Storms may come your way. But Bible says to us, let me assure you, he that keeps Israel does not slumber nor sleep. He that sustains Jacob does not slumber nor sleep. Keep your eyes focused on him. The storm that was sent to break you is the storm that God will use to make you. Let me say that again. The storm that was sent to break you is the same storm that God will use to make you. God was using Adullam to prepare and train David for the kingship. God saw what was ahead of David and God said, David, I need to train you. In fact, in Psalm 144, David said, you train my hands for war and my fingers to fight. Hallelujah. But that training is not an easy thing. When you have been trained in the military, I've not been there before, but I know it is not an easy thing. Praise the living God. Beloved, I want to wrap it up by saying that after going to Adullam, David got to that place where God passed him on. And now, when it was time for him to move to the next level, they heard that King Saul had died. So when Saul died, in fact, let me backtrack. It was when he was in Adullam that you remember a time came that he had exposure, an opportunity to kill Saul. And his men around him said, hey, David, our time has come. Oh, praise the Lord. Yay! Look at the man. Let us finish him right away. But David's heart was not in revenging on his enemies. David's heart was more aligned towards obeying God than obeying what men will say and what men think. So David said, no, 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 no. I have heard in scripture the Bible says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. If God is indeed in control of my life, he knows how to avenge me of Saul. I'm not going to strike for my hand and touch Saul. Touch not my anointed. And when Saul woke up and saw David standing, holding a piece of his garment, Saul said, hmm, you are more righteous than I. And God's eye will remain on the righteous. God will not let him fall. Even when he falls, he will rise again. Oh, I say he will rise again. If you see the righteous fall, don't rejoice. He's going to rise up again. If you see me fall, don't rejoice because I'm coming back. Turn to your neighbor, tell him I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Hallelujah. Because God was in control. Now, when it was time for him to move, when he heard Saul had died, the people said, let's now move straight. To, to Jerusalem. Let's move straight on and take over because the time for the fulfillment of the promise has come. You see, church, it is not every open door that is from the living God. Let's go. The time has come. After all, God said you will be king. Eh? You'll be, you be king. And now the time has come. Saul is dead. Let's go. And David told them, can I, can I consult with God first? They felt it was crazy. Obvious truth. Obvious fact. But church, God is teaching us a lesson. Every step we take is ordered by the Lord, must be ordered by the Lord. So David went and consulted with God. And God and said, should I go to Israel, to Zion, to Jerusalem, or should I go to Hebron? Where should I go? And God said, go to Hebron. If he goes to Hebron, he was going to control only one tribe. But if he moves to the capital where Saul was, Gibeah, where he was going to be in charge of the whole Israel. And David told his men, I need to go to Hebron. And he said, ah, are you crazy? And David went ahead and said, no, we are going to Hebron. Because when God orders, I follow his orders. Praise the living God. They obeyed God, went to Hebron. And David remained in Hebron for another seven years. And it was not a pleasant time. Hebron, which is the next destination of David, is a transition between where you are to arrive at ultimately and then the early beginnings of the fulfillment of prophecy. 
Is somebody understanding what we are saying? When God begins to fulfill his promises to you, don't assume that that is all there is. You've got to still depend on him and follow his leading. There may still be areas of your life that he wants to polish up a little bit. All the men that were with David at Hebron, at the time they had not learned how to fight together. They were individual men who were now have been trained as soldiers, but David needed to have time to learn, help them learn how to fight like an army. So the seven years in Hebron enabled that army to be built up into an army that can now defend all of Israel. At the end of the seven years, now God said, David, you can move on. And so when David began to move, David knew that nothing can stop him because the almighty God is ordering him into his destiny. Somebody put your hands together for the Lord. He was no longer afraid of anything. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He said, even though an army rise against me, I shall trample them underfoot. Hallelujah. He said, I will run through a troop and I will overcome them because the Lord is with me. And when I read, I read into a scripture, and the scripture said, and David became more and more powerful because the Lord God of heaven's armies was with him. I said, Abba. Somebody say, Abba. The Lord God of heaven's armies is with him. David never lost a single battle in his lifetime. Unless he doesn't show up. If he shows up, he will win. Praise the living God. Because the hand of the Lord was with David. Beloved, your greatest quest should be to stay in the presence and in the will of God all the days of your life. And sometimes men will give you advice that contradicts God's purposes for your life, like the men of David around him. But learn to keep your spiritual sensitivity so that you can hear what God has to say concerning every matter in your life. You want to marry and you are just wondering what to do and all that, consult God. Consult God. Hallelujah. Whatever stage you get to in life, learn to consult God. Let me wrap it up by saying that, church, all these men who walked with God and went through these kinds of prophetic seasons were also people who built altars along the way. You, you, let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. Building of altars along the way. That is to say that there were men who understood that it is God who can make their lives, who can give them rest. Bible said God gave David rest from all of his enemies. And David, you see, it took about 20 years for the prophecy to be fulfilled after he had been told that you will become a king. But when the time came and he started reigning, he reigned for about 40 years or so, longer than his own lifespan life on the earth. I mean, longer than the time that he spent before becoming a king of the land. And he had rest. And Bible says he grew in wealth, in riches. God will always test you with the opposite of what he wants to do in your life. If God wants to lift you up and bless you, he will take you through some of the opposites, the rejection. If he wants you honored, you go through dishonor so that you will learn how to treat people when you get to that place. And one other thing we've got to understand is that God taught David to understand that my blessings that is to come upon you, you've got to know that it is not going to be because you have built character along the way. No, it is because of my extraordinary grace. But you need character to sustain the blessings. His blessings, <laughs> praise God. His blessings come on us based on his grace. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. So you can build character along the way, but the character is needed to sustain the blessings of grace. So let me land with this, that we've got to learn how to become people of altars. David was a man who knew how to build altars. What did altars do in the life of David? David recognized God as the maker because God told David, I will make your name great. So in order for David's goal and David's ultimate purpose to be fulfilled, David had to submit to the maker because he is the one who makes. God makes. Somebody say God makes. So how do you submit to the maker? You submit to the maker by aligning yourself and connecting with him. And you connect with him through altars. Altars are places of sacrifice and surrender. An altar is a symbol of your connection with God. In fact, Abraham built altars and he knew how to build altars. 
As a matter of fact, mortals connect with their divine, their maker, through the medium of altars. When you connect with that maker through altars of sacrifice, of surrender, of brokenness, he takes the opportunity to actually make you. Jesus told his disciples, I will make you fishers of men. God told Abraham, I will make your name great. Oh, may God begin to make some people in this house. I say, may God begin to make some people in this house. And you know, as I like a story in Genesis 11. In Genesis 11, the people of Bible said they want to make for themselves a name. Then when you go to chapter 12, Abraham encountered God. And in the course of his building all of these altars, God said, I, the Lord, will make your name great. So God wants to be the maker. You cannot be your own maker. You cannot make your own destiny. We've got to learn to align with God who is the one who makes our destinies. Praise the living God. He is the one who makes. He is the maker. And I'd like you to remain assured that if you remain in the hands of the maker, he will make your future. He will make your destiny. He will make your name. He will be with you. He will sustain you. He will make sure that you are safe even when the enemy comes after you. And in the course of making you, you would also be able to see how faithful he is. I believe our dear mother is thinking about the faithfulness of God. Can I hear somebody say, God is faithful? Joshua 21 verse 45, he says, Not one of all the good promises that God made to Israel failed. Every one of them was fulfilled. Every one of them was fulfilled. When you arrive in Zion, when you arrive in Jerusalem, you will look back and you say, Every one of God's promises in my life has been fulfilled. May God make you. May God strengthen you. May God uphold you as you walk with him. May he bring all of us to the place where we will also have beautiful retirements. It's a blessing to be able to see your retirement. May he bring us all to that point. If Jesus tarries, God bless you and keep you all. Amen. 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 Oh, you can do a better job. You can do a better job. Amen. 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 Oh, what shall we say to Apostle Mike? God richly bless you. I believe that um, he has opened our eyes with the word of God and uh, without much ado. One of the things I want us to pray about is our Abdullah. It is um, a place where we all want to get out quick and begin to make a name for ourselves. Nobody wants to remain there for long. But that is the place of transformation, a place where God wants to transform our lives so that he will use us to accomplish his purpose. Amen. Why don't you rise to your feet if you can? For you are great. You do miracles so great. Very strong.
submission these are very difficult we all don't want to submit naturally but our human nature submission is a difficult thing for all of us pastors apostles every person it is a difficult and that is why we have so many problems in our world today we often rush to do things that we are not supposed to do and then it gets us into trouble we want to cry out for the spirit of patience that we will know, we will learn to wait, knowing that we are in the hands of the Almighty. And He will bring us into our destiny. We will not rush for anything if we believe that we are in the hands of Jehovah, the destiny maker. If you know that we are in His hands, we will not rush. Why don't you lift up your voice one more time as we pray? The Lord Jesus. If I Oh, my God. 
serve. If you are here and you have not accepted him as your Lord and personal Savior, I introduce to you this awesome God that we worship. Give your life to him. He will shape your destiny and bring you in line with his purpose and give you a name. Who is coming to Jesus? We want to surrender his or her life to Jesus, this God that we worship. If you have all accepted Jesus, let's say amen to the glory of the Lord. Amen. amen. Father, this morning, once again, we thank you. We thank you for the vessel that you use to speak to us. We are humbled by your word that has come, O oh God. Because we realize that we all need polishing. Our life and our callings, we need to be polished. There are areas that need to be straightened up in our lives for full transformation to happen. And that is what this morning we call for, we pray for Lord. We submit to your Lordship. Spirit of the living God, as we stand under your feet and we listen to your word, we are just humble by the fact that you have opened our eyes to the truth. And we pray that this morning, all of us seated here to listen to your word will be transformed from the inside out. And that none of us will leave the same. Sometimes we fight among ourselves, even though we are serving the same God. Human as we are, oh God, this morning, may you touch every life here this day. That we will live here blessed. We will be a blessing. And that the people we will come into contact with, our lives will transform them. Because of whom you have made us. We give you glory and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello. Welcome to PRWC Worcester Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that in your time spent with us, you will be blessed and edified even as we grow in faith. Please enjoy and may the Spirit of God illuminate your hearts.